Barbarians are wild muscle machines fueled by adrenaline and wrath to smash everything and take any punishment that comes their way. Much like mice. Warlocks are the favored servants of otherworldly patrons, instilled with eldritch power. Put them together and we get the loose cannon champions of otherworldly patrons fueled by both their patron and their undying rage. If you're looking to make a barbarian warlock multiclass and feel like causing a lot of chaos at your table, then stick around for this video. Both Barbarians and Warlocks are very common multi-class character picks in 5th edition, since they both get so much of what makes their class tick in the first few levels. Even just one level dip in Barbarian or Warlock can be a major asset, and that's just not the case with most classes. Warlocks are already easy to flip into a battle-ready damage dealer like the Martial classes, and a frothing rage monster sworn to an otherworldly patron is a fun character concept. With just one level of Barbarian, you become significantly more durable with Barbarian Rage and Unarmored Defense. With just two levels of Warlock, you gain two spell slots to use every short rest, two invocations, and the first level feature of a patron. Playing this multi-class is a bit of a fun balancing act, and you get quite a lot of value for a very small level of commitment. But like anything with a low-level commitment, there are some downsides. The Barbarian Warlock multiclass is arguably the least synergenic combination of 5e classes with only the Barbarian Wizard competing for it. The issue is mainly the Barbarian's Rage, which specifically prohibits you from casting spells or concentrating on spells while raging. And access to spells is usually what you'd take levels in spellcasting classes for. We're going to have to scrape the bottom of the barrel to get some actual synergies here. It's not impossible to play this combination, but you'll be very locked into a couple specific options. We're also definitely locked into martial characters, mostly, as our spellcasting is literally turned off while we're in rage mode. Warlock is also fine as a martial class already, so it's not like the Barbarian is making up for some horrible deficiencies in melee combat. This is not a value build where you're able to mix and match features to work together. This is a gimmick build that's still likely not worth it, but is technically feasible, kind of like the double shield build we talked about a while ago. And as with every multi-class character, you lose out on the capstone features of a single-class character like those gained at level 19 or 20. As for when this multi-class starts to kick in, the Warlock Barbarian multi-class can go a couple of ways, and the answer to this question varies quite a bit depending on which class is our core class. If we're only going for a dip of either class, we're looking at level 2 or 3 for a good boot-up kind of time. The more involved build requires 5 Warlock levels and 3 Barbarian levels, so we won't be seeing it in real action until level 8 and won't feel powerful until level 10. Now let's get into the thick of this video with what class features we care about. Barbarian and Warlock class features do not line up that well, but with some clever decision making we can make the Barbarian Warlock multiclass work... We can make it work. Kind of. With the Barbarian features first, we talk about hit points. The Barbarian has the largest hit dice in the game, and it shouldn't come as a surprise that more hit points is a motivation to take levels in this class. And then of course we have Rage. This is the core reason you'd want to multiclass anything with a Barbarian. As a bonus action, you can go into Rage to gain advantage on strength checks and saves, extra Rage damage in melee combat, and perhaps most useful of all, you gain resistance to each physical damage type, including bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage. This still stands as possibly the best defensive buff in the game. The kicker for us is that we can't do any of our Warlock spellcasting while we're in Rage. Normally Barbarians don't care about how many Rages they have, as there's more than enough to go around, but with only a dip we're likely only raging 2-3 times a day. Not a deal breaker, but it's something to be aware of. 
especially if you play a Barbarian a lot. And then with Unarmored Defense, this gives us a better base AC equal to 10 plus our Dex modifier plus our Con modifier, so long as we're not wearing armor. We have to devote a lot of Dex and Con in order to get better than the medium armor, which we already have among our defensive options as a Barbarian. A Breastplate with plus 2 Dexterity is 16 AC, which means we should really just use the armor unless we can get our combined Dex and Con mods to 7 or higher. Also be aware that Mage Armor is an option, but those are the options for AC without spells. Also be aware that Mage Armor is an option, but these are the options for AC without spells. And then we have Danger Sense. We're not doing martial arts or maxing decks like some other martial classes, but the Barbarian is still quite spry. Advantage on deck saving throws is a nice extra way to stave off as much damage as possible. And then with Reckless Attack, this lets you gain advantage on melee attacks at the cost of taking the next turn's oncoming attacks at advantage as well. Invaluable when you really need to push through that attack roll. And then with Primal Path, depending on what build you go for, you either aren't going to reach a Primal Path, or the Primal Path is a core of the build concept. We'll go into them in more detail, but for now, just know that the third level Primal Path feature can potentially factor into the build. And then when it comes to extra attack, this will only be reached in builds where you're primarily a Barbarian, but an additional attack is always a key feature for any sort of martial build. And now moving on to the Warlock features, we of course have Pact Magic. For a completely spell-free class like Barbarians, having one or two extra spell slots to spend every short rest can be very useful. We're largely stuck casting out of combat spells since it doesn't work in Rage, but there are still a few options that can greatly help out a primarily Barbarian strategy. And then with Invocations, while you can't cast spells in Rage, you can use a lot of the Invocation options as they're either static features, buffs, or use your spell slots for alternate abilities. Moving on to Patrons, Warlocks gain their archetype at first level, and we can get some pretty powerful features from them with just a single level dip. Particularly for builds that focus on Barbarian, which first level Patron features and what additional spellcasting options we snag are very important. And now for getting into actually building this thing, we need to start with the most important question, which class should I start with? You get some slightly different proficiencies and saving throws in multi-class builds depending on which class you start with. In this case, the correct choice is pretty firmly that you should start with a Barbarian class level. Taking Warlock first means missing out on medium armor proficiency. You don't get any extra proficiencies by starting with one or the other, just different skill list options for skill proficiencies. The saves are arguable as Barbarians get proficiency with Strength and Constitution saving throws, while Warlocks get Wisdom and Charisma. I know many tend to value Constitution more so than Wisdom, but they're both good saving throws worth having and both options are valid since neither gains additional proficiencies. Note that the Hexblade Patron also provides you with Medium Armor proficiency. So if your build is taking Hexblade, you can start with either class and you don't have to miss out. And now let's move on to ability scores. Barbarians normally are all about the physical scores and care about strength, constitution, and to a lesser extent, dexterity. Warlocks are just adding the charisma score to this mix, but this still means that we have four ability scores to care about, which is a little bit of a stretch. You'll need to try and get maximum value out of the extra ability score increase from your race, so make sure that you get some combination of that. Each of our builds are going to need to drop or at least minimize at least one of these ability scores, and it's a different score depending on what build we go for. If you're focusing on Barbarian and just dipping into Warlock, you can drop Charisma all the way down to just 13 or 14, since most of the features we'll be snagging don't actually use the casting stat. If you're focusing on Warlock and just dipping into Barbarian, you can drop Strength all the way down to 10. I wouldn't take a negative in it, but you don't need much for melee combat. Now if you're going for the deeper builds with 5 or more levels in each class, we're going to be in a bit of a pickle. 
you'll want to start with a 14 in Dexterity, Constitution, and Charisma with a 12 or 13 in Strength. When you gain your 4th level ability score increase, you'll need to pump Strength up to at least 16 or else attack rolls will drop off. This will correspond fairly well to the shift from Warlock to Barbarian levels, so just trust in the process for now. Now let's talk about some multi-classing equipment, because we have a few defensive options here. Warlocks are normally stuck in light armor, but we also get shields and medium armor proficiencies from Barbarian. I've seen some people work to gain heavy armor proficiency on this type of build, but I don't really see the value in that. Normally for Barbarians, I'd recommend rocking no armor at all and using unarmored defense, and if you're almost entirely Barbarian, that's still the way to go. You can go with Armor of Shadows for a permanent Mage Armor, but Mage Armor works out to about the same as our AC without spells used. For most of our builds, you're best off just getting up to a plus 2 Dexterity and wearing medium armor. With the weapons, we get all of the simple weapons and martial weapons. It gets a bit trickier, but I can streamline it down just a little. Any build that includes the Hexblade Patron is stuck using a one-handed weapon, which also means we're better off using a shield as well. Anytime we aren't using the Hexblade Patron, we get the big old two-handed weapons, so Great Axe, Great Sword, and Maul all work for us. You might feel compelled by our access to finesse weapons to pick up something like a Rapier instead, and while it's a tempting option for relying on Dexterity for Rage instead of Strength, I find that it's not the strongest defensive option for us. Now let's talk about our Bar Block spell. Bar... Bar Block? We're, we're going with Bar Block? Is it called... Does anyone else call it a Bar Block? No one would just, it's not that many extra syllables to just call it a barbar, bar block. Bar block, okay, we're talking about bar block spells. If we're going to try and take advantage of both Barbarian Rage and the Warlock spell list, we have to deal with the fact that you can't cast or concentrate on spells while in Rage, as I've said multiple times already in this video. Sadly, that rules out practically all damaging spells. We can't use the melee spells like Booming Blade or Green Flame Blade since they still count as casting even though they use a melee attack. This means we can really only be taking advantage of spells that we can cast outside of combat, and offensive spells like the old go-tos of Eldritch Blast and Chill Touch aren't much use to us here. Most of these are utility and exploration spells, but there are a few spells on the Warlock list that we can use as an offensive option or tactical option that can be cast pre-combat. First, we're starting off with the Friends Cantrip, not typically a Warlock Cantrip of choice, but also potentially quite useful. This cantrip gives you advantage on charisma checks, but afterwards the target knows you've used magic to mess with them. Since bar blocks can't make much use of cantrips in combat, this out-of-combat cantrip may fit the bill. Or, if you're evil, it makes for temporary friends and easy opportunity attacks. And then of course we have Mage Hand. This lets you create a special spectral floating hand that can interact with things and even potentially trigger traps or touch the evil thing without risking your own skin. This is a solid utility option that's always flexible and rarely goes unused. And then with Minor Illusion, this is typically used for making distractions, but it's ultimately as useful as your imagination allows. Not typically in the Barbarian's wheelhouse, but a well-timed goading distraction can make all the difference and, when used right, can be an excellent tactical option. And then we have Prestidigitation, which is the prime example of the creativity spell. Prestidigitation has a long list of very minor magical tricks it can perform that all depend on you to find a use for them. This is the best collection of extra non-combat options you can get for the cost of a single cantrip. And then moving on to first level spells, we have Armor of Agathis. For an hour's duration, we get 5 temporary hit points, and if anybody hits us in melee while we have any of those hit points left, we deal 5 points of cold damage to them. This doesn't use concentration and lasts for an hour after casting, making us a slightly better damage sponge. 
Every spell slot increase boosts both the temporary hit points and the cold damage, making it a somewhat viable counter-strike and HP buffer. It's better value at first level slots, but still, it's both one of the few damaging spells and defensive spells we can cast pre-combat. And then we have another weird choice for any sort of barbarian-related character, Charm Person. The classic out-of-combat control spell, this has a myriad of uses, most of which should be happening before you go into rage mode. And it doesn't use concentration, so your target should remain charmed even while you're enraged. So I'm... Oh, there's so many potential great story moments that could be done with that. When it comes to second level spells, we have Mirror Image. Arguably one of the best defensive spells in the game, and doubly useful when combined with martial options. Mirror Image uses your action and doesn't use concentration, so you can start your first turn in combat casting it and then rage up. There's a bit of randomness thrown in, but this essentially gives you three gimme hits for attacks that hit your illusionary duplicates rather than you. Not amazing if you're facing numerous enemies with small attacks, but it can be a lifesaver against enemies with a low number of high damage attacks. And then moving on to third level spells, we have Magic Circle. This one takes a bit of setup, but it doesn't use concentration, and if you have the opportunity to set it up, you can make quick work of a boss monster. You essentially ward a small area against a certain creature type, and while you or your allies are standing in it, they impose disadvantage on attacks from the chosen type and can't be charmed, frightened, or possessed by the chosen type. Underused, a fantastic buff, and worth your warlock spell slot. And then we have Charm Monster at 4th level, and this is same as Charm Person, but it's capable of hitting much nastier targets. If you're going this high in the Warlock levels, this is a good one to have in your pocket. It's good, but sadly about all we can use at the 4th level slot on the Warlock spell list. Similarly to the spells, we want to focus on invocations that don't clash with Raging. To do this, we want to avoid the invocations that rely on casting spells in combat, go for the ones that give us extra non-combat options, or the invocations that provide us with magical abilities that don't technically count as spellcasting. First we have Armor of Shadows. This gives us the spell Mage Armor unlimited times per day. Now we've already got access to Medium Armor and Unarmored Defense, so the odds of having already better or equal AC access is pretty high. If your build is stretched on ability scores, this is a tempting option though. And then with Beguiling Influence, additional skills aren't the most exciting use of an invocation, but two additional proficiencies are decent value. Getting skill proficiencies in Deception and Persuasion is a good place to start if you want to go more face of the party with this build as well. Moving on to Cloak of Flies, this has a 5th level requirement so we can't snag this on a dip, but Cloak of Flies doesn't use concentration and it doesn't count as a spellcasting ability, so we're free to rage up with Flies on. Something about that sentence doesn't sound right. We get a 5 foot aura of buggy goodness that gives us advantage on intimidation checks and deals bonus poison damage equal to our charisma modifier to anybody who starts their turn in the aura. That sounds like hell. Now moving on to Devil's Sight. Dark Vision isn't that unique or interesting, but this grants 120 feet sight that even sees through magical darkness, which is an otherwise extremely rare ability. Moving on to Eldritch Sight, Warlocks don't even get Detect Magic normally, but this invocation lets you cast it for free whenever you'd like. Detect Magic is always useful, and this is one of the better utility options if you're trying to fit that role with your bar block. I still can't... I'm gonna keep... I'm gonna call it a Barbarian Warlock. I can't keep calling it a bar block. And then with Eldritch Smite, sadly you need five levels of Warlock to gain access to this one, but it's one of the only ways to directly convert your Warlock spells into additional damage while in Rage. Functionally similar to Divine Smite, this lets you convert your spell slot into 1d8 force damage per spell slot level. So 3d8s when you first gain this at five Warlock levels. 
With two third level spell slots, this means you're adding 6d8 extra damage output per short rest. Not worth missing out on five barbarian levels if you're a majority barbarian, but a great option for the primarily warlock builds. And then we have Fiendish Vigor. This lets you cast False Life on yourself for free, which grants you 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points and very conveniently does not use concentration. Free bonus hit points whenever you have a moment to breathe seems like the exact sort of thing a Barbarian build could use. And then we have Improved Pact Weapon. This requires a Pact of the Blade, so the earliest you'll have access to it is 3rd level. It opens up other weapons to be packed weapons, but mainly you snag this just to make your packed weapon a plus one weapon for extra damage output. Now let's finally get into our different Barbarian Warlock builds. We've got three wildly different builds that can make this otherwise unwieldy combination kind of come together. First we have the Benevolent... the Benevolent Bar Block. It's an odd dip, but just two levels of Warlock can give our Barbarian access to a great big pool of healing to make us an incredible damage sponge. To start, we need two levels of Warlock, and we want to choose the Celestial Patron and make one of our two invocations Fiendish Vigor. From that point on, we exclusively take Barbarian levels, and we want to take the path of the Ancestral Guardian. This gives us a total class level split of 18 levels Barbarian and 2 levels Warlock. If you're wondering how this works, essentially, we can't really use our spellcasting in combat, but there's nothing stopping us from healing up ourselves or our party members after the fighting is done. The Celestial Patron's additional spellcasting options gives us Cure Wounds as a Warlock spell. This means for every short rest, we can use our two first level slots for healing. We also get the Celestial feature Healing Light, which is a very similar way to Paladin's Lay on Hands feature, which gives us a dice pool of healing we can use to heal ourselves or our allies as a bonus action. We get a number of d6s in healing equal to 1 plus our warlock level, so 3. These healing light dice are especially useful as they can be used at a 60 foot range and since it's not spell casting, we can still use it in combat essentially like a pool of 3 healing words we can use to pop up anybody who gets knocked down. Next we can make great use of the fiendish vigor invocation that lets us cast false life at first level on ourselves whenever we want without spending spell slots. A first level false life gets you 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points that you can use to heal yourself, and since it doesn't use concentration, you don't lose them while in rage. Finally, by taking the path of the Ancestral Guardian, we get all of the smashy goodness of a barbarian but with extra defensive measures for our allies through the Ancestral Protectors and Spirit Shield features. Ancestral Shield essentially forces enemies to attack you instead of your squishier allies, and Spirit Shield lets you prevent incoming damage for them. I'm willing to guarantee anybody that plays this build will have one point during their session where they go, yep, now that's a tank. Next up we have the Merbarian. This build is incredibly simple compared to the others because we're only taking a single class level in Warlock and the rest of our levels in Barbarian as our primary class. If you want to pick up the invocations in another spell slot, you can take an extra level in Warlock, but that's a matter of taste, really. We're doing this specifically to pick up the Fathomless Patron and the first level ability Tentacle of the Deeps. Tentacle of the Deeps functions a lot like a spell spiritual weapon. We get to summon an ethereal tentacle as a bonus action and get to make a bonus action attack with it every turn. Barbarians don't have a lot of use for their bonus actions after the first turn at Rage, and this one level dip gives us consistent damage every turn using our bonus action. Anybody we hit with the tentacle also has their movement speed reduced by 10 feet for a turn which gives us an interesting opportunity to keep enemies within reach. By reducing a creature's speed we can essentially keep it in range every turn and we can often force attacks of opportunity. 
You've got a few options for the Barbarian archetype. Path of the Totem Warrior with the Bear Totem option is always a decent pick as it adds resistance to every damage type except Psychic Damage. And since Psychic Damage is pretty rare, you can confidently resist any attack damage that comes your way. The Beast Barbarian is also a decent damage dealer option with a selection of fun natural weapons in beast form. The natural weapons don't do much in terms of damage as... I'm sure that comes to a surprise to no one that's used natural weapons before, but we also get a 40-foot swimming speed and the ability to breathe underwater from the Fathomless Patron, which may be useful depending on your campaign, and is just awesome no matter what your campaign is. With the form of the beast, we can also get a climb speed so we can remain mobile in any terrain and in our beast form. And then we have our Hexbarian build. As a complete flip from the previous builds, we're only dipping our toes into Barbarian for a single Barbarian class level with the rest going towards Warlock levels as our core class. You'll likely have seen these elements before, but you'll want to take the Hexblade Patron along with the Pact of the Blade for a full Martial Warlock strategy. We're essentially just taking a level of Barbarian for Rage to solve one of the biggest Blade Pack strategies, which is survivability. Resistance to physical damage keeps you swinging a heck of a lot longer than a full Warlock build. The trade-off here is that the lack of casting in combat is definitely going to come up. I recommend taking Eldritch Smite here so that we can just convert those spell slots into straight damage. Ultimately though, this idea just sticks to the tried and true Hexblade strategy. Just make sure to pick the spells and invocations we previously discussed so that you aren't losing utility in Rage. And then we have the Genie Bombarian, which is a bit out there and quite inefficient, but it's very fun. The core of this strategy revolves around the Genie Warlock Patron and their Bottled Respite ability. Essentially, you're a literal genie in a bottle and you can disappear inside it as an action. While you're in there, you can hear what's going on outside, but you're otherwise in a pocket dimension. The trick here is that while it normally takes a bonus action to leave the bottle, you can also leave automatically if the bottle is destroyed. And don't worry, our vessel just takes an hour-long ritual to replace at no cost. Essentially, what we want to do is choose a vessel that is particularly fragile, like a glass bottle, and then we can strap it to an arrow or some other projectile, and we basically have one of our allies fire us as an explosive device with a barbarian inside. Note that if your DM hates fun, they might hate and stop this, but rules as written, even if they impose disadvantage for the bottle being attached to the arrow, should be able to fire and smash wherever it would, you know, hit the ground, and longbows can fire up to 600 feet, so you guys can see where I'm going with this. Worst case scenario, your vessel can just get lobbed like a grenade and can't be tied to anything. However, I would struggle to think of a time I would tell my party no to something this fun and creative. Okay, so we've turned into a projectile. Now what? First, we can't cast spells without our vessels, so all of our spell slots should be used on buffs that last without concentration like Mirror Image or Armor of Agathis. Beyond that, we can make being near us lethal in a couple ways. Firstly, we can take the Path of the Storm Herald and choose the Desert option. That deals a few points of additional damage to everybody within 10 feet of us on the turn we rage, and on every rage turn as a bonus action. Next, we take the Cloak of Flies Invocation, which has a very similar but shorter range effect for bonus poison damage on everybody near us equal to our Charisma modifier. We're also chopping people up a bit better thanks to Genie's Wrath ability that essentially adds extra rage damage equal to our proficiency once per turn. And once we get up to 6 Warlock levels, we snag an Elemental Damage Resistance and a Flying Speed. 
To make this insane barbarian projectile work, I recommend a split of 14 barbarian levels and 6 warlock levels. Is this a mathematically efficient build for damage output as its effective level? Absolutely not whatsoever, but is it fun? Yes. This is definitely one of those multi-classes I would love opinions on down in the comments because I feel like I've stretched the concept as thin as I possibly could here in this video. Uh, but did I mention that you could turn yourself into a projectile genie? Thank you guys so much for watching. I really appreciate it. Be sure to like and subscribe because we're putting out new videos all the time and we love hearing about what kind of videos you'd like to have from us and things like that. So please leave comments down below as to what you'd like to see from us. We also have a Kickstarter at the beginning of 2023 that you can read about down in the description in a link below. And if you guys are building any sort of bar block barbarian warlock multi-class characters i would love to hear about them down in the comments thanks again for watching my name is patrick ferguson from skull splitter dice and until next time farewell